We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast, and pleased to welcome my good friend and resident college football expert from the Northwest Iowa Review, none other than Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, how we doing? I'm good, and you know, I mean, inside info, we'll see how much longer I'm with the review. I haven't checked my phone recently, oh. but I got a text from Paul Chris that he uh, was looking for some stuff to do in Wisconsin. He was like, hey, I might have a job on you for my staff. And like I said, I haven't talked to him in the last four days or so, but I'm assuming that that's still there and available. Right. Well, I, I would say so. I thought maybe, like, uh, I don't know, do you have Jim Leonard on speed dial? No, I hear that they don't get along, and that's the only thing holding us back. So, oh. But it's a good thing Paul Crest is the head coach of Wisconsin and get the, you know, make the, uh, the, the big decisions now. Well, we have, a, we have a lot to get into, a lot of different areas we can go, so let's just start right there. Wisconsin is the latest school. Now, we've had five Power 5 head coaches get fired. Uh, this year, first it was Scott Frost at Nebraska. Then it was Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Uh, then it was Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. And then in this last weekend, we get Colorado firing their head coach, whose name escapes me, but that doesn't matter because he's it's, Carl Durrell. Okay, thank you. I was, I was like, it's largely irrelevant because Colorado is irrelevant uh, when it comes to college football. The state outside of Air Force is irrelevant when it comes to college football. Uh, and then we have Paul Christ at Wisconsin. The Jeff Collins, not a surprise. Herm Edwards, not a surprise. It was a surprise maybe that uh, the coaches were leaking play like information on game plan and stuff to opposing teams. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. I would hope that's not the case because that's very that's just a very bad situation there. Um, but then, and, you know, of course, Colorado firing their guy, and now uh, Durrell, and then Paul Chris. Like, I like Michael Wilbon on part in the interruption on Mondays was very animated about this firing, and like, oh, like, what the hell? Like, how high and mighty are the cheeseheads in Wisconsin and whatnot? Is there something more going on behind the scenes here? Because I know it's a down year for Wisconsin, it's a down year in, in for Iowa. But they aren't making a change yet. Um, They're not firing Kirk Ferentz. So what do you believe led to this decision to fire Paul Christ? It couldn't be just the 24-point loss to Illinois at home, could it? I can give you two answers. The first and more honest answer is I don't know. It's weird. Paul Christ took over in 2015. And uh, since 2015, they've won 10 games or more. Let me see. One, two, three. Four four times. They've also won the division, I think, three times. And uh, have, have had some incredibly good years. He's been, I think other than Ohio State, they've probably been the best team in the Big Ten since 2015. Um, they haven't had any losing seasons. They did have that weird COVID year where they went four and three. But yep. I think we just kind of collectively have decided that, like, if you're good, we won't hold that against you, but we're not going to hold it against you if you're bad. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I was truly shocked by this. Now, I didn't see any of the Illinois-Wisconsin game. I think I've only seen about six plays of Wisconsin this year. That's and, probably uh, five plays too many. And well, the, the, the thing I was going to say is having worked in Sioux City and missed some weird Nebraska games – when they got blown out when I had to work on Saturdays all the time. Sometimes it's different when you see it as opposed to just seeing the score. So I don't know how bad it looked. 
when they lost to Illinois, but mm-hmm. I now understand, like, oh, yeah, it could be worse than it looks at a box score. But I still just could not believe it. But to answer your question, the part two and the speculative part, again, I don't know this. This is rampant speculation for me, but I know that Jim Leonard, their defensive coordinator, has basically been their coach and waiting for a while. And I do wonder if with all these head coaches getting fired early, if there were schools that were sniffing around hiring Jim Leonard to be their head coach and Wisconsin was like, you know what, we don't want to lose this guy and I guess we maybe don't love our current head coach anymore. Let's just speed up this process and let him take over now. And as long as he doesn't completely fall on his face, we'll give him the full-time job at the end of the season. This is basically like a trial run. Yeah. that would, Like I said, that's speculative. I don't yep. know anything. I don't have any inside info, but I could see it being something like that. But, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I don't think I'd be stunned if we found out that Nebraska was, you know, had been like, well, you know, we want someone with Big Ten ties that's good at coaching defense. And we'd be like, well, yeah, that would make sense as a possibility. Like, Wisconsin fairly inept in offense this year, just like Iowa. They had two yards rushing against Illinois. Two yards. That's inexcusable. I would definitely say, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to say it probably is, only because Illinois is 4-1. And if this is somehow like, what, Illinois went 10-2 and and only lost to Ohio State by 10 in the conference title game, then I maybe wouldn't be as upset about well, that. Like Illinois, now, I don't, I don't think we're going to get there. I don't think Illinois is going to get to seven wins, but, but we'll see. Well, it's a de facto Big Ten uh, West. Uh, championship game next week in Champaign with the Gophers in Illinois, perhaps. I mean, you, be. I mean, everyone in the Big Ten's one in the West is one and one in the division, other than Wisconsin. Yeah, which is crazy to be like, wait, yes. Wisconsin's the only one that's that's has a winless record in the conference right now. Absolutely. I, I mean, and Minnesota can't play worse than they did against Purdue at home on homecoming. I mean, this is like back to back years now. They've just sucked on homecoming. And it's not great, but. Now, like just in terms of Wisconsin here, Jim Leonard to me doesn't seem like he's a fundamentally different guy. Like this isn't going to be a different approach. You're going because Paul Christ is kind of like run the ball in defense. Well, Jim Leonard's a defensive guy, so do we really expect Wisconsin now to just have this air raid sort of offense? Maybe he'll bring in a offensive coordinator of sorts that that can help kind of bring this offense back to life a bit, but. I, I just don't see the a huge fundamental difference in the two. Like, this isn't going from one contrast in schemes or one uh, one extreme to another. I see what you're saying. I'm going to counter with a question. Sure. Does Wisconsin actually want to change their offense, or do they just want their offense to be better than it is? Well, because okay. we've seen a lot of times where they just do the same offense but are much, much, much better, and... I mean, I don't know. Maybe that, that could be, but I would just think then you would have someone who would be that like that would be more their their forte or their expertise in that. Like, I'm not. I guess I don't see what changing to Jim Leonard is going to do for the offensive side of the football this year. I don't know. Maybe Paul. I don't know a great deal about Paul Christ. He does not seem like an overly animated guy. He seems maybe as interested as a wet more. carrot. And I, I'm also assuming. I don't know that Jim Leonard is a fiery guy. I'm assuming he is just because he's the defensive coordinator, and almost universally they seem to be that way. 
And, you know, and I don't know, maybe Chris had gotten lazy with a lot of stuff, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I guess I've got his Wikipedia page open. I can tell you how old he is in about three and a half seconds here. I think 58. He's 50, 56. I guess he's not that old. But, I mean, I suppose it's possible that he kind of, you know, I don't want to say, like, was lazy, but was not putting in the same effort that he was five years ago. Again, that's rampant speculation, but I do know there are a lot of people in collegiate athletics that are like, no, we want to hire young people Uh because they're energetic and they're going to be like, yes, I'm willing to devote my entire life to this right now. Where, you know, a lot of times when you're in your 50s and married with kids, it's like, yeah, you know, how about instead of just working for another 45 minutes on stuff that might not make a difference? What if I just go home? Like again, I'm not saying that that's what happened, but I see it could be. It could. It, it very well could be. I, I don't know. It just it, like Paul Chris to me seems like he is, like he's not a very interesting guy to me on the outside. Like he doesn't seem very fiery. He just seems like okay, ho hum, and maybe that's no. What, and maybe, maybe Wisconsin that's what you're saying. didn't seem to stayed. have any problems with that until like just. Yesterday. Right, isn't that been always like the Wisconsin forte? Like, ho-hum, yeah, we're just going to play defense, we're going to run the football, and we're going to win games. Like, that's that's kind of been the M.O. of Wisconsin for In, in addition youth. to that, I would say stability also. Yes. That they, yeah. this is, I looked this up. Do you know the last time they fired their football coach? Well, they never fired Barry Alvarez, right? No, it was before him. It was the guy, and I forget if he it was either 88 or 89. They also don't fire their men's basketball coaches. The last time they fired a men's basketball coach, I saw this on Twitter yesterday. It was either, it was either 1994 or 95. Okay. And it will definitely be a name you've heard of. I will say, have you, do you know the answer to this or no? I, I, I don't. I know that Greg Gard, their current head basketball coach, was on the hot seat a couple years ago, and now he's kind of righted the ship. I will give. I will send you five dollars if, without cheating, you can tell me who the last men's basketball coach Wisconsin fired. I, some, I'm not going to give you any clues except to say that it will be a name that you have heard of. Okay. Before. Um. And you, so you won't give me a clue in terms of if it. Okay, so it's not Andy North. I know that. Um. It's not Bo Ryan. Oh, let's just throw a shot in the dark here. I wonder if he's still coaching. Bill Self. I know that's not right. Bill Self. I mean, it's not a bad guess because you know he coached college. This guy, you will know more from his NBA days. Uh, Stan Van Gundy is the last no basketball shit. coach. So, Stan anyways, that's just to say. That men's basketball and football, the two sports where if you're a big time in a big time conference, yeah. you're most likely to fire coaches. Especially if you're like, well, maybe we could give them another year, but we just don't want to. And before yesterday, Wisconsin hadn't fired either their football or men's basketball coach since '95, which wow. just goes to show how incredibly stable they are. And and like, look. This could work well for Wisconsin. It could also maybe not be what they want, but still be fine. Yep. It could also backfire horribly, too. I mean, this is what Nebraska did when they fired Frank Solich. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, I mean, we can do this. We'll get anybody. A monkey can win nine games in Lincoln. 
And then they hired Bill Callahan, and he went five and six the first year. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, wow, this actually is not what we wanted. Maybe this wasn't great. So. It, it sounds to me like Wisconsin is the South Dakota state of the FBS because SDSU doesn't fire any men's or women's head basketball coaches or football coaches. I mean, they, they just don't. There's yeah, that's also true. Uh, I'm seeing here Paul Chris is going to receive a reduced buyout of $11 million. Oh, man, $11 million to not coach your program anymore. Like, if, these buyouts are just ridiculous. Uh, aren't they? Yeah, like, they're only I mean, going to get worse as this TV money gets bigger and right. higher. But I mean, I mean the Nebraska I don't think Nebraska or Wisconsin would have fired their coaches in season five years ago. It would have been like, yeah, I don't know if we want to spend that much money. Let's wait until the end of the year when it's a bit cheaper, but... But, then, but the whole game's changed. What, like, Jeff Collins got a huge buyout, too. If Georgia Tech had waited a few weeks, I think, or, like, a, a month or so, they would have saved a few million dollars. Now, like, granted, they go out and upset Pitt this last weekend, so I don't know. Is it worth it? Uh, is it worth the extra four or five million dollars that you had to pay Jeff Collins for that upset win over Pitt? I'll let, uh, I'll let greater minds than mine um, decipher that or... Or think about it. It just th- this money that all these schools are tossing around for these guys to you know to say, "Hey, please stop coaching our football teams." Are just in- incredible. It really goes to show how well Asians have kind of just changed the game with this. Yes. Yeah. But, well, I mean, I remember. I don't know. Agents obviously get paid a lot. You know, one at least the ones that are good because they're good at their jobs, but. I like. I would say that we should just have everyone just like stop giving out contract extensions, unless it's like, oh hey, you like want like if Minnesota wins a national title, I'd be like, oh yeah, if you want to give them a five year contract extension, fine. But outside yeah. of stuff like that, then, then there's, I just would you just say no, and if they leave, you'd be like, fine, we saved money. And if they're like, oh, they're going to use this against you in recruiting, be like, well, people use everything and everything against you in recruiting. So I don't know if it matters that much. Right. Um, so staying in the Big Ten West, or the Big Ten here, I was all ready to include Minnesota in our When Will They uh, segment, you know, the, our game show, which is de- debut, making its season debut this week. I was all ready to use them, and then they crapped the bet against Purdue. Uh, I mean, Every team has one win, as you mentioned earlier, uh, in the Big Ten West, except for Wisconsin, 0-2. How do we handicap this division? That's a great question. I don't know. I think if you feel confident, and I don't mean you specifically, I guess I should just say in general. Yep. If you think that Wisconsin had a little bit of malaise and just getting a little bit of a shake-up or break them out of it, then I would say Wisconsin's still the favorite. I don't know if I necessarily buy that. But at the same time, I don't know who else I would say. I mean, Illinois looks good right now, but I don't know if I'm... I mean, you talk about Minnesota being like, oh, no, we had things going for us, and then we crapped our pants when we shouldn't have. Yeah. I mean, I think that's Illinois times five over the last 20 years. Yep. So I'm not overly confident in them. I mean, I guess I'd probably say Purdue right now, but I don't feel great about that either. That Purdue squad that barely beat Florida Atlantic. Granted, it was without Aiden O'Connell, but, I mean, even Purdue didn't look great against Minnesota. Now, Minnesota's got a really good defense, but I Purdue has been shaky this year. I, I'm not disputing that, but, but the problem is, is it's going to be like that with everybody. Yeah. They've all been shaky. Yeah. I mean, they all, like, this isn't like when we're talking about, like, Clemson, you know, like, well, 
Clemson's got some flaws this year, but they're pretty small. Like, all the Big Ten West teams have major flaws that are just like, oh, yeah, you can definitely take advantage of this. They are not good at this. I, I do have a pro- So, Minnesota was, uh, like, 11-point favorites against Purdue. And a lot of people are like, okay, is this Minnesota team for real? Like, they had all the bad – oh, Joe Clack from Fox Sports. Like, this Minnesota Golden Gopher team could go 11-1, 12-0, make it to the Big Ten championship game. Like, okay, that's great. Look at this defense. Look how good they're playing. And then, like, I'm pretty sure I saw Mo Ibrahim in uniform – like on college game day and stuff, practicing, and all of a sudden, he doesn't play. And I get it from a competitive standpoint, or, you know, like a a tactical standpoint. Like, hey, we want to keep our opponent guessing, and you're thinking, oh, like, we got to prepare for Mo Ibrahim, and then he doesn't play because his ankle injury, which was supposed to be minor, is maybe a little little worse than what... Or maybe Minnesota was trying to get too cute and, like, we're going to beat Purdue without Mo. Uh, well, that's not great. Uh, good thinking on your part, Gophers. But I'm looking. I more mean, do we know? Is it possible that he they thought it was better and then he tweaked it in practice? And, and, and I don't maybe, know. Maybe. I don't know what PJ Fleck does. Maybe I don't know if he's all talk about injuries or not, guy. I just know I went on Twitter and everyone was like, "What happened to Mo?" Like I don't know if they mentioned anything on the broadcast at all. I don't know, in part because I didn't have ESPN this weekend because Dish and Disney were in a dispute. So the one day, the one game, I'm like, I really want to watch this Minnesota-Purdue game. Ah, can't watch it because Dish and Disney are in a, in a dispute. Now, that has since been resolved, but um, needless Sorry, to say. Sorry, you would have missed the whole game anyways. They right. just kept cutting in to show Aaron Judge taking bats. Exactly, exactly. But... I feel, I'm looking at this more from the gambling perspective because now that we now that we have sports gambling legalized in so many states, I I just wonder you know you have so much money on riding on these things and now you know I it, it's more so with the professional sports but I think college sports or collegiate sports is going to get in on this as well we see it every week with bad beats on with Scott Van Pelt on Sports Center Monday nights it's my favorite segment all week. Uh, on ESPN is what Scott Van Pelt does. But you have so many people putting money on these games that for everyone thinking that Moe's going to play and then all of a sudden he doesn't and there's really no word as to why, it's just, I feel like college coaches and professional you know, football or basketball coaches, whatever sport we're talking about here, because gambling is legalizing now in so many different states, they have to be more forthcoming about some of this stuff because betters rely on these injure on this injury news or lack thereof in certain situations. Am I crazy to think that they, they need to be more open about this? I don't think they're ever going to be more open about it unless they're absolutely forced to, and even then, I think only half of well. I mean, Bill Belichick, the NFL's supposed to do that. Bill Belichick's been screwing around with that for two decades. Sure. sure. So, I mean, I, I think it just, I think some coaches will probably be honest with it. And some won't if they're forced to, but I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't know if it's the, the, the biggest thing to think about is it's a lot easier to make huge changes rapidly in pro sports because there's, so, there's only 32 teams and the owners, at least to some degree, cede some of the power to the commissioner, and they can vote on it themselves. But in college sports, 
there's so many teams with, I mean, it's, it would almost be like you'd have to just come up with conference with us, right? So, I mean, we might get there someday. I, I don't know how soon that'll be, though. Yeah, I, it, there's just something, and like I said, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but there's just something that I think rubs me the wrong way a little bit with, and I, uh, you know, I'm not the one that's gambling on it, but Schottenkirk bets, a, you know, does a lot of sports gambling, I believe, you know, our friend David Schottenkirk and, um, you know, I think Travis and Marcus, have, I mean, everyone has placed a sports wager or bet on at one point or another, but we're going off of the information that we know. If we're if there's information that should be known that isn't being told to us that affects our bet, that's that's money on the line that we could better spend elsewhere. I just feel like there's gotta be more openness if these teams or these leagues, these conferences are gonna start working like with gambling um company like FanDuel or DraftKings or other, you know, these other betting sites to make sure that everyone has the up-to-date information because otherwise you're just making a sham and a mockery of everything. I I get what you're saying. I still don't know if it's ever going to get there because you got to remember, I mean, any of these guys could, you know, even the night before a game, if they're not like drinking the night before, they could be picking up a friend that accidentally runs over their foot. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, so it, now that's not football related, but, you know, if it's if the coaches don't find out about that until seven o'clock in the morning on game day, I just don't think they're going to be like, yes, we need to go out of our way to make sure that people know this ahead of time. Right. No. And I and I get that, that there are certain certain extenuating circumstances, but it, I don't know. Like I said, I might be reading too much into it. Just there's something about it like I am fully ex- I. I had no idea that Mo Ibrahim was not going to play. And I had nothing riding on the line, but as a, a fan, I'm like, okay, feeling good about this goal for uh, game here. I think they can run it against Purdue and win. And then to not to find out that he wasn't even playing and not know why, it's just kind of like a, what? And so I'm looking at it from the sports gambler standpoint, not even just my own sake. But, it, it, again, it, it's, a, it's murky waters, I think. How how gambling and, and co- you know college sports, professional sports, how that relationship is going to go here over the next few years. True, I agree with that. Um, other big news from this last week: Alabama almost gave up a huge lead. Bryce Young hurts his shoulder. He's supposedly day to day, but I think that's something to monitor with Alabama. They don't look as you know they don't look invincible. Georgia hasn't looked. It, uh, I mean, they had to come back and beat Missouri, a Missouri team that lost to Auburn uh, just a couple weeks ago. Georgia doesn't look great. It seems like Ohio State is really the most solid team right now. Clemson with a big win over your NC State Wolfpack. Um, and Clemson won. Yep, big blow to my NC State to the playoff. Yes. Well, it, it, listen, someone here picked A&M to make it to the playoff. I'm not going to say who it was, but it wasn't you, and it was probably me. Uh, so, I mean, who are the truly great teams in college football right now? Is it Ohio State? And then is it like a Tennessee or is it a Clemson? Who, who are we looking at here? I would say this. It's so easy to do this in college football, and I am guilty of this myself all the time. 
they only play 12 regular season games, yep. which is five fewer than the NFL plays, yep. which is easily the next fewest games that, you know, big-time sports play in a season. You know, college basketball, they play 20-some games in the regular season. The NBA and, and Major League Baseball play so many, many more games. But that's just to say that a month's worth or like a month and a half worth of games in those other sports, other, other than maybe the NFL, you've got a pretty good read on how good or bad teams are because they've played so many times. Mm-hmm. And it's just tougher to tell with college football because there's just such a smaller sample size. And the other thing, too, and then also I'm as guilty, if not more so, than everyone else in this. I think a lot of times we oh, or we don't properly rate how difficult it is to go on the road in a conference game, especially playing at night. Sure. When the crowd's like jacked up and excited. Yep. Also, if that team's really, if, if the, the visiting team is really good and always has a target on their back, like yep. Georgia or Alabama. Now, I know Alabama's games against Texas and Arkansas were not at night, but I think the general theory still holds. But yeah. Yep. That is just, I mean, they're literally getting everyone's best shot. And if you don't play, I mean, I don't think they need to play their A-plus game to win handily, but they probably have to play their B-plus or A-minus game. And you just can't rely on 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds to be like, no, we're giving you B-plus or better every single game, no matter what. There's just some where weird stuff happens. Now, now like you kind of alluded to, it could be symptoms of a bigger problem. I mean, I don't think Georgia's dramatically less talented, but we've seen many times where, you know, teams win a national title and just aren't as hungry the next year, even though they're still loaded with talent. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, yeah, well, you know, they probably could have gone undefeated in the regular season, but they went 10-2, and two, and that could happen. I mean, you mentioned Tennessee. I, I'm, not, I'm, not mar- I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I don't know if we'd be stunned. If Tennessee beat either Georgia or Alabama, I'm calling year. a shot right now based on uh, what I've seen from Alabama here lately and what I, I've seen from Tennessee. I don't know. Like, Bryce Young will probably be okay. I'm going to call Tennessee beating Alabama here in two weeks. Yeah, I don't think I'd be stunned if they won either of those games. I'd be stunned if they won both of them. That would be surprising. I, I would be stunned if Tennessee wins in Georgia, but because Tennessee's playing Alabama in Knoxville, I like Tennessee a lot more in that one. I hope they do. It'd be fun. I, uh, it's always fun to me when uh, Alabama loses, so that would be great. But, but yeah, I mean, but in terms of, like, who's really good, I mean, I think I think Georgia and Alabama are still good. I'm pretty sure Ohio State's good. I feel confident that Clemson's good because I don't know how great NC State is, but they did still beat them, and their offense looked a lot better. After that, though, it kind of starts – getting a little bit tougher like I guess I think USC's good but you know I, I'm not as sure and right. past that I really don't have, I mean I don't know I I guess I probably think Tennessee's good too but I would like to see him play someone really good not just kind of good uh, we have history this week in college football college game day will be going to Lawrence Kansas for the first time ever uh, Kansas five and zero. It's ranked. It, it ranked. Yes, this first is, time they've been five and zero in thirteen years. Now it's also worth noting the last time they were five and zero in two thousand nine, 
uh, they lost the rest of their games and finished five and seven, and then Mark Mangino got fired. Well, so, I don't think that's going to happen this year with Kansas, but it's worth noting that did happen last time. I would like to toot my own horn a little bit here. I did have Kansas going five and seven for the year with uh, the bowl eligibility game against K State. Um. You were much closer on Kansas than I was. Well, I think I had him at like one and eleven or two and ten. This is easily the the biggest surprise in the college football season, I believe, is just how good Kansas is. I mean, Jalen Daniels, their quarterback, has been fantastic. I mean, Houston appears to be down a bit. West Virginia, we've already kind of talked about how disappointing West Virginia's been. But that shouldn't, the fact that they both lost to Kansas shouldn't take away from the fact that Kansas appears to be a really good, or a decently good team. And it's one of the best turnarounds from year to year that we've seen. And I, I think they are without a doubt the biggest surprise in all of college football this year. Team-wise, I don't know what else you could pick as. I mean, I think that's easily the most surprising thing. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I suppose it goes to show how well that guy from Wisconsin Whitewater, he just keeps jumping up to higher levels and keeps succeeding. So, I mean, obviously Lance Leipold is very good at coaching. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then who knows? I mean, the other thing I was going to say about Wisconsin firing uh, Paul Chris. Oh, yep. It could have been a move also where they're like, oh, shit, is Nebraska going to try to get this guy? Because he, he, at some point he was a coach at both Nebraska, Omaha, and at Nebraska at Lincoln. And obviously he's from Wisconsin because he coached at Wisconsin Whitewater. Yeah. I, again, I don't know this, but it could also be that they were both just like, that, well, Wisconsin specifically. It's like, all right, we got to start talking to his agent early. Let's, let's, let's get in on this. Yep. I mean, and who knows? I don't know a great deal about Leipold other than that he coached at Buffalo and Wisconsin Whitewater before then. Maybe he loves Kansas and he'll stay there. I, I do not know. Well, uh, didn't Dorothy say there's no place like home? There's no place like home? And she was talking about Kansas. So It's I, true, but she also got high on poppy seeds and saw witches. So how much that's that's true. And she was talking to a scarecrow and a, and a cowardly like, lion. And like, yes, Dorothy, you keep telling us that this witch stole your dog and that the dog, the, the, the wolf and the lion, or the other, sorry, not the wolf, the lion, the scarecrow, and the tin man told you where to go. You're definitely not doing drugs like me. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, I am disappointed that ESPN didn't make a bid to take the 11 o'clock game, though. I mean, it's on FS1. Instead, what we're getting the Red River rivalry on ABC. And both, like, Texas and Oklahoma are both 3-2. and two. They're disappointing this year. And that, like, that's even a game that Fox said, no, we would rather not do the Red River rivalry. We'd rather have Indiana and Michigan on Fox rather than Oklahoma and Texas. I mean, what are we doing here? I told- to be fair, I, I I don't remember all the details, but I think they like quote unquote draft these games before. Yes. Yep, I think the they season. So I, I think that ABC took that one that, that it was that that was one of the early ones. So oh, okay. you're right that it's that it's a much much less appealing matchup than we thought it would be going into the year. I think some, but I think because they picked it, they were like, well, I mean, we picked it, we we might as well do it. Put it there. Couldn't you like? Couldn't you say? Hey, let's move F like let's move uh Indiana and Michigan to FS1 and let's put Texas Oklahoma on Fox because it's the last time we're ever going to have them because they're moving to the SEC and ESPN's got the monopoly on the SEC. Like 
ESPN should be broadcasting TCU in Kansas. The fact that this game is thrown on FS1 at 11 a.m. is an insult to Kansas and TCU. This is a good story, and you're just going to throw it on some channel that not many people outside of Kansas and TCU are going to, to go to. Where are you going to go on, on Saturday at 11 a.m.? You're going to go to ABC, ESPN, or Fox. Those are the three channels. ESPN 2 maybe. The, the diehards will find it on FS1, and the diehards will also go to CBS Sports Network for their game, which is... I don't know. Um, Eastern Michigan and Western Michigan. I mean, that's... We're scraping at the bottom of the barrel here. I just wish ESPN would have made more of an effort to get this game because I don't think there was a broadcast partner for this game announced until after College Game Day announced they were going. You are much more upset about this than I am. I uh, hey, I, know. I will counter by saying we're probably going to have to get used to College Game Day going to locations that uh, are not on the ESPN, sure. ABC yep. family of networks because I think... As, you know, I, I don't know how much of it will happen this year and next year, but once the uh, the real shift starts and the yep. Big Ten's like never on ESPN or ABC again, I don't know if it'll be as likely to go to be like a Michigan State Minnesota game if they're both ranked. Right. But I would also, at the same time, I would not expect game day to be like, well, we're never going to go to a Michigan or Ohio State game ever again. Right. For game well, day. Reese Davis has said as much. So And even before, I know – that uh, it doesn't happen often. Usually they get whatever big games they want, but there are times here and there when it was on Fox or back when TBS had games, you know, they picked some game before the season that ended up being a huge deal. Yeah. Like I remember there was some week it was like Florida State and Boston College or something was the game. Of the, I don't remember if it was the game of the week and ESPN didn't have it or if it was where game day went, but it wasn't there or, or something. But, Anyways, it's just to say that that's probably going to happen more often going forward. Oh yeah, now. nope. And I agree. I just I because I was looking to see who was broadcasting the game, and they didn't have it up at all on Saturday. And then I look and find it's on FS1. Like you, you've got to put it on a better channel than this. I just thought that it would be nice. And I think this is two out of six now that Herbie will actually be at the campus of the game he's calling. I think he's only been at Ohio State uh, week one for Notre Dame, Ohio State, and then Clemson last week for uh, for NC State and Clemson. Otherwise, he's had to travel everywhere else he's gone. Also, on your uh, point of uh, being on FS1, I would also say Kansas. Like, hey, just keep winning games. You keep winning games, they're going to be bigger and bigger. And I bet you don't play a- I mean, this might be the last time they play on FS1 this year if they beat TCU also. Sure, sure. I mean, and TCU blew the doors off of Oklahoma. Um, and again, I, I'm not surprised that Oklahoma – I'm surprised Oklahoma lost to Kansas State. Adrian Martinez is looking the part. And, and yet somehow Kansas State lost to Tulane. So this is the part of college football that's just so frustrating and maddening. It's kind of like with Minnesota. How do you – blow the doors off of Michigan State 34-7 in East Lansing. And you know what? Michigan State appears to be in a bit of a down year. Kind of expected. But then you just lay an egg at home against Texas A&M. It turns out paying coaches guaranteed $95 million contracts. Maybe not a great idea. Yeah, no, no, not at all. So, I mean, 
how how surprised are you that of Oklahoma's struggles here the last couple of weeks? I'm very surprised. I mean, I could have seen them like losing to Kansas. I think was or Kansas State was kind of surprising, but it was a close game. You know, Adrian Martinez arguably had the best game of his career. Um, if you would have told me they would have lost at TCU the next week, I'd be pretty surprised. I'm even more surprised the way they just got their doors blown off. I did not see that coming. And I don't know how much you want to talk about. Do you want to talk about the Nebraska curse this season? Yeah, please. Yeah, yep. So anyone that does not know, uh, <laughs> Nebraska is 2-3. and three. They have losses to Northwestern, Georgia Southern, and Oklahoma. Uh, every, t- uh, every one of those teams that beat Nebraska has played at least two games since then. You know, Northwestern's played like four games since then because that was the first game in week zero. Mm-hmm. But those three teams, again, Northwestern, Georgia Southern, and Oklahoma, since beating Nebraska have won a combined one game. Wow. And it was Georgia Southern that won. And I don't know what it, – it's, it's almost – I don't know if Nebraska was so bad that it was just like, oh, wow, they got an overflated sense of self and confidence and they're too cocky now. Or if it's just like Nebraska has some weird stink that gets on you that you just can't wash off no matter how many showers you take. Yeah. But for whatever reason, like, if you play Nebraska and you beat them, it gets, you're just not going to be good for a while after that. And I don't know why that is. I think it's just a weird statistical anomaly. Yeah. But it's it's a funny and strange thing. Oh, it's like a curse. It definitely is. It's the curse and of Scott Frost. I can only speak for myself here. I knew I was pretty confident Northwestern wouldn't be great this year. For a brief period of time, I thought, oh, maybe this will be one of those years where they get good and win the conference. I feel confident that's probably not going to happen based off how they played since then. Um, I don't know a great deal about Georgia Southern. But I know Oklahoma had won a lot of games handily, and they truly beat the doors off of Nebraska. It was like 49-14 to or something like that, and they could have scored 80 or 90 if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. And I thought, like, oh, well, clearly Nebraska's bad, but Oklahoma is just as good, if not better. They have not lost a step at all under Lincoln Riley. And the two weeks since then proved like, nope, just Nebraska was that bad, I guess. I'm going to take a look here at the end of the season, just how off I was on some of these guesses and how close I was on others. Um, Like Illinois, I only gave three wins, and they've already gotten four. So, obviously... Off on Illinois a bit. We uh, both missed the boat on Illinois. I mean, roll the boat to to, uh, to Champaign, I guess. That's what we'll have to look forward to. Uh, but it's it's been a crazy ride so far. Is there anything else this that you're interested in this week here, this week six? I mean, we got UCLA-Utah, clash of the best teams in the Pac-12. You got Tennessee-LSU. I I still don't think LSU's that good. I mean, they almost lost to Auburn last week. I know I'm kind of using Auburn as that litmus test. Hey, that's all right. They're your, uh, your, uh, I forget what it's called. Uh, They're your Rorschach inkblot test that if you're you're not dramatically better than Auburn, then it means you're not good. Right. And sometimes we need those. I mean, it's nice having those that you can point to and say, ah, this is evidence of this, and that they are a good case for that right now. Uh, I mean, Auburn plays Georgia this week, so that's not going to be much fun for them. Uh, Would but, not be surprised if Harrison gets fired after losing by 40 to an angry Georgia team. Probably. Probably. 
You got BYU and Notre Dame in Vegas. That should be a lot of fun. Florida State and NC State. Who knows what we'll get there. That should be somewhat entertaining. But overall, and this is when we get the chaos, is when we don't have a lot of great games. There are three or four games that are intriguing. You know, TCU, Kansas, certainly among them. But what 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 intrigues you most about Week Six? First off, like you said, it's just if it's one of those weeks where chaos happens. Now, it's not every week like this that what's mediocre where truly chaos reigns, but it would be fun if it was one of them this week. And then the other two games I mentioned on, or that I'm interested in, are the ones you mentioned already. In TCU and Kansas, for obvious reasons. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe the Kansas coach will be the next Nebraska coach. I don't know. We'll see. Could be a lot of people that could be the next Nebraska coach, I guess. And then the other one's UCLA and Utah, because even though Utah's got the loss already, they're still they've still kind of been like one of the standard bears in the Pac-12 the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. And if UCLA's truly for real, you got to beat Utah. And this is just kind of a show me game. We'll see if UCLA beats Utah. I think a lot of people, myself included, will be like, "Well, they look like they might really be the real deal." Man, and that UCLA USC game will be very very interesting. And, uh, and even if they don't win, that game gets to be interesting. But but if Utah wins, then it's like, well, yeah, I guess Utah and USC, one of those two is probably going to win the conference then. Anything else you that we need to get to before we play a game? I don't think I have anything else. Okay. All right. By the way, SCSU plays USD this week, so the Jacks haven't looked great this season, haven't played a complete game. Have a complete game against USD. You know what? They don't need a complete game against USD. Wait for the complete game against North Dakota State. Uh, but SDSU right. should beat USD. We will. The Bull Bounder Not is making its return later this month as we get a little closer. You know, and we're going to start getting some of these teams right around the bubble and whatnot. But it's the return of when will they? This is the game where we talk about teams that have, when will they lose or when will they win a game? And Georgia State got off the, when will they win a game? So we are going to start, Charlie, if you are ready. I mean, this is a game that, you know, is still getting a little bit, we're not getting as much attention as Bull Bound or not, the game that sweeps the country this time of the year. Uh, but we still have a well, lot of... Norman in Oklahoma does like this game. Yes, he does. Yep, he absolutely does. Cheyenne in Wyoming has is, is always kind of been a fan of this. Raleigh in North Carolina. We always get those those diehards out there. So we do appreciate the, the, the fans that we have that like this game. And it, it'll get more popular here. But we're going to start in Colorado. And... It's really a shame that they that they don't play Colorado State this year. I don't know why they don't. I really don't. Um, this would have been arguable. This would be one of the five most important times they play for yes. the opposite reasons of why you think normally, but still, therefore, very important. Do you ever read um, Ryan McGee's on ESPN.com? His uh, bottom ten. I don't regularly do it, but I've read it many times in the past. I would imagine Colorado and Colorado State have been on there like all season Yes, yep, and he talks about pillow fights and stuff, like when the the bad teams play one another, like New Mexico State plays UMass or UConn. I mean, these are the, the type of pillow fights that we need, and we don't get Colorado and Colorado State this year. So we are going to 
Colorado, Colorado State would be such a soft pillow fight that it would not even be like the girls on the VHS tapes that people used to buy in the 2000s. <laughs> would be would be tougher than Colorado or Colorado State. Ouch! 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 So we're gonna start with Colorado. They're all they, they fired their head coach. We know that sometimes that gets a, a fire lit within the players in that program. We saw it with Georgia Tech last week. Arizona State gave a pretty uh, good effort against USC for about three quarters. Colorado is 0-5. Charlie, when will they, when will Colorado win their first game? Since I've got my laptop here, I'm pulling up their schedule. I'm pretty sure I know my answer anyways, but I do want to look over this quick. Yep. Well, as of right now, Colorado has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games left. Four of them are against ranked teams. That's not a good start. The last I don't think four they're going to be Oregon, USC, Washington, or Utah. That's a rough closing stretch. Yes, it is. Um, I could see them beating Arizona State or Cal, but I don't think they're going to. They don't get their first win until 2023. Oh my over God. the season for Colorado. Oh, and over. They're getting a donut. Okay. There's a. I, I don't. I, it, I forget which advanced analytics thing this is. Someone on the Atlantic follows this, but there's there's one online that compares schools to like previous versions of their school. Sure. It's so like you could, you know, you could compare Minnesota this year to one of the Minnesota teams that won a national title or something. Like okay. Yeah. And long story short, there was a point, I don't know if it's still true right now, although I'm guessing there's a good chance it is, but there was a point that they thought that Colorado, that this was the worst Colorado team ever, like not just in terms of record, but like if they played any other Colorado team, they would lose. Oh, wow. Or, or were like one point better than the worst team ever. Anyways, long story short, if you're like, oh, this might be the worst team in our school's entire history, that's not good. So, no, yeah, Colorado, not. bad, no wins this year. Colorado State staying in the uh, staying in the state of Colorado. When will they? When will they get their first win, the 0-4 Colorado State Rams? I mean, again, like I said, and I'm just doing this to buy time as I click on Mountain West and then click on Colorado State on ESPN.com here. Really a crying shame that uh, – they don't play collar. I mean, I feel like if they both, even if they win games this year, that both should be required to play at the end of the season. Yes. I mean, that just seems like a gimme, to me at least. Yes. But as I pull up their schedule, unlike Colorado, no ranked teams the rest of the year. I suppose that's a positive. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really want to pull the trigger and say they're going to go winless also, because that would be funny if they both didn't win a game. But I will say, I don't know if I think Colorado State's better than this team, but they do have a home game against the worst team to, to travel. Yes. And that would be Hawaii. Yes. I, I hope that Hawaii wins, but my guess is that Hawaii going on the super long road trip to Colorado Springs, Colorado, and playing up in the atmosphere. And Hawaii's been plenty bad themselves this year, but that's yes. when Colorado State gets the first win. And a super gross, like... 15 to 11 game where you're like, what? I don't even want to know what happened there. Yeah, I I am 100% in agreement with you there on Colorado State uh, beating Hawaii. And I think you never know with realignment and stuff and if the Pac-12 folds, maybe Colorado and Colorado State will be in the same conference here soon. You never know. 
how that okay. might happen. Uh, so the AAC has no undefeated teams. The ACC does. They have two undefeated teams, Clemson and Syracuse. So we will start with the Clemson Tigers, 5-0 and right now. Charlie, when will they? When will Clemson lose their first game? Question. I mean, I, like I mentioned earlier, I thought it was going to be this past weekend against uh, NC State. That obviously did not pan out. Looking at their schedule, let's see. They only play one ranked team the rest of the year in Syracuse. That game at Notre Dame does not look nearly as difficult as we thought it would be going into the season. Right. Although at the same time, I'm not saying it's a tough game. Florida State probably looks a little bit tougher than it did going into the year. Yep. Um, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm saying the sandwich game between those two. Syracuse pulls the upset. Syracuse beats Clemson. That's oh. what they were. So Syracuse is October 22nd. Yes. So Syracuse is going to Death Valley and pulling off this mammoth upset. Yep. After a heated game with Florida State gets nasty, they they take their eye off the prize, looking a little ahead to Notre Dame, even though even though Syracuse is undefeated, they just now they're like, you know what, we know Notre Dame's better and it okay. costs them. Well that leads me to my next question. When will they, when will Syracuse lose their first game? They will get their head on straight a week earlier because they will lose to NC State. And that's when they say, Well, we gotta turn this around. And then they beat Clemson the following week. All right. Wow. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something if Syracuse makes it to the ACC championship game out of the Atlantic division? It would be fun if we, if both you, I don't remember if you picked Clemson for the division or not. I did. did Yep, I did. Okay. Okay, so just me, I guess. But it'd be funny to be like, Clemson's not going to win. I've got to pick someone else. And it's like, well, monkey ball wish, you got it right. They didn't, but you picked the wrong team. It's not NC State. So let's go to the Big 12. And we got Kansas playing against TCU. So I'll just start with Kansas. When will Kansas lose their first game? It's a good question. I mean, I would love to say uh, not until... August, or till October of 2023. That'd be fun. Yes. I think they beat TCU this week. Woo! I think they win at Oklahoma next week. Whoa! But I think they lose the next week at Baylor. Oh, so October 22nd then. Which would then make them um, seven and seven and one. I think. Yeah, seven and one after that week. Yep. All right, I like it. How about? And then I think they also, just for fun, they also lose to Oklahoma State, but then they beat Texas Tech, Texas and Kansas State, and ten and two is good enough to put them in the Big Twelve title. Oh so my god! So they're there against either either Oklahoma State or Baylor. Holy cow! I guess I guess I would lean Oklahoma State since Oklahoma State just beat Baylor. This right. Past Oh, that, that would be wild. How about Oklahoma State? So when will they? When will Oklahoma State? Lose their first game. Let's see. Schedule here. I am going to say they play Texas Tech next. They'll beat Texas Tech. I think they win at TCU. 
I think they beat Texas, which then puts them at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and zero. And then they look ahead to Kansas too much and lose the week before against Kansas State on October 29th. October 29th. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. We're not going to do the SEC. We're not going to do the Big Ten. I mean, the, the, you got all the undefeated teams are Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Um, we won't We won't do the Big Ten right now. Uh, there's no undefeated teams in Conference USA. No independence. The MAC sucks. Uh, Return of the MAC. Nope, not to the Mountain West. Let's go with the Pac-12. We're going to finish up with the Pac-12 and the Sun Belt. The Fun Belt, Sun Belt. So, there are two teams that are undefeated right now in the Pac-12. USC and UCLA. So, when will they, when will USC, Charlie, lose their first game? Well, Stackham, let me tell you, as I click on schedule here, so I can give you a better answer. Um, I think they beat Washington State this weekend, then next weekend at number 11 Utah, they lose. All right. That's when, that's when USC loses. Okay. On and, October 15th. And how about the crosstown rivals, UCLA? When will they lose? I am going to say UCLA comes up with a fantastic performance, beats Utah. Then they've got a bye week, but they don't take advantage of it, and they lose to Oregon on the road, coming out of the bye October on October 22nd. Okay. All right. So UCLA beats Utah, who will then beat USC. So we have a, like a little round robin here in terms of the undefeated teams going down in Utah, is the commonality amongst them. All right, so finally, finally, let's go to the Sun Belt, the Fun Belt Sun Belt, where we find the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. They won big win over Georgia Southern last week. They're 5-0. and Charlie, when does Coastal Carolina, when will they lose? Let's see. I think checking another team's record. I think they beat Louisiana Monroe. They beat Old Dominion. And then in just a weird, after a bye week, they don't take advantage of it. They lose on the road at Marshall. All right, so I'm kind of sensing the bye week thing. Like, whoops, we had 100 100 yards of penalties and four turnovers. All right, so Coastal Carolina loses their undefeated season at 7-0 when they play Marshall, Marshall, Marshall on October 29th. And that leaves us with the the, the newly minted FBS James Madison uh, Dukes, who I don't believe are eligible to even go to a bowl game this year because they are not. It, it's just again one of these ridiculous things here. But James Madison is undefeated. So Charlie at four zero. When will they? When will James Madison, who uh, I don't believe Lizzo is playing the flute uh, for them anytime soon? But when will they lose? I've got an answer. I'm going to start this with a question. Yes. Stacking, do you remember what happened 
when South Dakota State and North Dakota State played in the fall of 2007? No. If you don't off the top of your head, I understand. Nope. I thought you were going to say when South Dakota State played James Madison in the playoffs because I will always remember that because that was the day Noah was born. And South Dakota State proceeded to throw six interceptions or seven interceptions. It was ugly. No, not that one. So 2007, if I remember right, I think that was the last year that both North Dakota State and South Dakota State weren't eligible for the postseason. Probably. Might have been the year after that. But they weren't eligible for, for the playoffs that year. They were both in the Great West still. North Dakota State was undefeated. I think that was the year that maybe they beat. They beat either like Minnesota or Central Michigan or someone. Mi- oh I think they yeah, beat yep. Central Michigan handily. Yes, that like went on to beat to win the back. Yep, they were that had really Antonio good. Brown on the team. They had Antonio Brown. Yeah, they were. North Dakota State was loaded. Well, I'm pretty sure they were ranked number one. Were undefeated. Murdered most of the teams they played. Couldn't go to the playoffs, and then they were playing at South Dakota State in the regular season. So that was kind of like both teams' bowl game. Yeah, I mean, more so for North Dakota State because they were undefeated. But South Dakota State, I don't remember if they were up three or if it was tied or they were down two. But on like fourth and inches from midfield, they went for it. North Dakota State had a guy fill a hole on a run play. But a South Dakota State running back, I think his name was Corey Koenig, if I remember right. Okay. Broke the tackle, ran 50 yards for a touchdown. This is like in the final three minutes. South Dakota State won. So long way of telling the story. That's what Coastal Carolina is going to do to James Madison. James <laughs> Madison will be undefeated in the last game of the year. Love it. Like, this is our bowl game. One loss, Coastal Carolina. We're going to beat them, finish undefeated. going to print out the national champ t-shirts. And then Coastal Carolina is going to steal their girlfriend and walk out of town. Fantastic. Do we think James Madison is going to be one of these uh, favorites in the Sun Belt here next year? I mean, I think they uh, – let me see who they're, if they're even keeping their quarterback. I think he's a senior. Um, but James Madison, like, it feels like the Sun Belt has a really good chance of put like, just between James Madison and Coastal Carolina – um, Marshall, App State, like those four teams to me, I feel like will constantly be in the running for like maybe uh, a group of five, uh, a New Year's Six bowl game or something like that. Like th- that's what I, I sense with this conference is that if we're going to look towards an, another conference that can produce an undefeated team, it's going to be the Sun Belt. I mean, I think, well, just one undefeated team I don't think has anything to do with which conference you're in. It's different. But but to your point, I do think that they've really raised their profile in the last few years. I mean, the Sun Belt was, other than maybe the MAC, was like the worst conference. And I think you could make up the case that they're the best group of five school or, or conference, or at least the second best after the Mountain West. Yes. And, I mean, I think it's interesting that the, the – the Sun Belt has probably done better than any conference the last seven years of just being like, no, we're just going to keep getting better. And it's done that effectively. And I suppose if you're uh, from a different conference or, you know, wink, wink at myself, you know, fired a coach recently, <laughs> you need to probably start striving to do a lot of things that those teams do well. Yeah. And be like, yeah, we need to up ourselves and get better. So 
I mean, I don't think that they're going to be like a power conference in five years, but I do think we could legit get to the point where it's where we talk about the Sun Belt like we do about the Mountain West each year. Or the where it's like, yeah, they're not a power five school or conference, but you know, I mean, well, they're kind of like the next closest thing. They're yeah. kind of they're they're step above all the other group of five leagues. I'm not even I. Like with the all like with Cincinnati and Central Florida and Houston leaving the AAC. Oh, that's for right. The, I keep forgetting that they're leaving to for go the to Big, Big 12, Twelve. The Sun Belt vaults over them easily. So I think then it's like, do you? It's a Sun Belt or Mountain West conversation at this point. And I would even i I'd say the Sun Belt's better than the Mountain West. This year I would. I mean, I don't know about every year. I think it'll be kind of like the SEC or the Big Ten, where it's like, well. Uh, maybe not a great example because the SEC still been better more often, but I, I do think that you know the SEC and Big Ten is better. That the Mountain West and Sun Belt that that will probably be the one going forward for the group of five points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to gonna be funny when we start seeing American athletic conference coaches leaving to go to upgraded conferences in the in the Sun Belt. Then yes, yes. Well, uh, yes, of course I'm leaving Tulane. Why would I not? I got offered a job by Marshall. Yes. No. All right. <laughs> all right. Nate. Which five years ago it seemed crazy, but look at all that money Randy Moss has given to his alma mater. There we go. That's right. Charlie, I'm surprised you said nice yeah. things about him. I figured you hated Randy Moss. Oh, I'm no. kidding. I love him because every Vikings fan loves Randy Moss. Absolutely. And understandably so. I'm not saying you should. Right. Absolutely. Charlie, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Great catching up with you, and we'll talk soon. Uh, but enjoy your college football weekend. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we'll talk soon. And maybe the next time, Bullbound or not, we'll make its triumphant return. All right. Sounds good. Looking forward to it, buddy. All right. Thank you, Charlie. Yep. Bye. Charlie Hildebrand, kind enough to spend a good hour with me here on the Sports Block Podcast talking college football. That was uh, when will they? So we'll we'll keep doing that throughout the the season as it warrants, but bullbound or not, will make its return here most likely in a couple of weeks. We're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, look back at um, week four in the NFL, make some early picks for week five, and then a tribute to my mom coming up here next on the Sports Block Podcast. Available on podcast.com and on iTunes. All right, we're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, as we always do during football season, with a look back at the previous week and uh, make some predictions ahead uh, for the following week. So we'll look back at week four first. It began Thursday night in the scary scene. Travis and I talked about it a bunch with Tua Tagovailoa hitting his head hard on the turf, getting carried off on a stretcher. But there was a game... That was played between two. It's like maybe the greatest uniform game we've ever seen with those icy whites of the Bengals and the aqua of the Dolphins. It was fantastic. The Bengals prevailed 27-15 to to improve to 2-2. Two and two. The Dolphins get their first loss of the year. Sunday, let's, let's give a hand to the Falcons here. I didn't think that they would have the offense this year to compete. Calvin Ridley out, like Drake London, the number one wide receiver, like... Where's the offense going to come from? Somehow, some way, 
This team is finding ways to win and put points on the board. Case in point, they beat the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, 23-20. The Browns, Nick Chubb had a big game and his return to his home state. There's something missing from that's poor play calling. It's something Miles Garrett didn't play. He got in a accident last week in a one-car accident, so that had something to do with it, maybe. But the Falcons ultimately prevailed 23 to 20. Speaking of 23 20, another 23 20 game in Baltimore where the Ravens jumped out to a 20 3 lead over the Buffalo Bills, only to see Josh Allen and company come roaring back to tie the game up at 20. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens had a chance to kick a field goal. To take the lead in the fourth quarter, John Harbaugh, head coach, went for it on fourth down instead. Lamar Jackson throws a pick. Bills drive down the length of the field and get a game-winning field goal. They win 23-20. Cowboys beat the Commanders 25-10. Not a surprise. Washington uh, quarterback Carson Wentz sacked a bunch of times. Not very good. Cooper Rush improves now to 3-0 on the year, filling in for Dak Prescott. 4-0 for the Cowboys. He is the first Cowboys quarterback ever to win his first four starts. A shootout in Ford Field in Detroit where the Seahawks, led by Geno Smith, beat the Lions 48-45. to The Lions, I'll give them credit because they were without uh, Amonra St. Brown, their wide receiver. They were without running back DeAndre Swift, and they put up point-for-point uh, point with Seattle. But this Lions defense is dreadful. Lions, number one in offense, number 32 in defense. That's not a winning success. Geno Smith looked good in this one. Seahawks had a defensive score as well. They win 48-45. Chargers snap their two-game losing streak, improved to 500, keep the Texans winless, 34-24. Austin Eckler finds the end zone for the first time this season. Not once, not twice, but three times. Three touchdowns for Austin Eckler. Chargers had a big lead. It was 27-7. Texans come roaring back. Chargers get a late touchdown to put the Texans away, 34-24. Every year now... Like we talk about how Indianapolis struggles in Jacksonville to beat the Jaguars. It happened already this year. They struggle in Indianapolis at home to beat the Tennessee Titans. Titans do it again, 24-17. Derrick Henry over 100 yards and a couple and a, and a touchdown in this one. They also had a couple of catches. The Titans now are 4-0 in their last four trips to Indy. Titans start out strong, but their offense fades in the second half. So that's uh, certainly something to be concerned about. The Colts. The, one of the most disappointing teams in the NFL so far this year. Matt Ryan's not working out well. Giants beat the Bears 20-12. Saquon Barkley, 31 carries, 146 yards in this one. Daniel Jones, the quarterback for the Giants, had two rushing touchdowns. They are 3-1 and one, headed to London this week to face the Packers. Uh, Hurricane Ian caused a lot of weather issues throughout the NFL uh, on on Sunday, I guess specifically in Baltimore and Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, it was raining. It was really windy. The Jaguars got up 14-0. Doug Peterson returning to Philly. Uh, the defense gets a pick six. Then Trevor Lawrence finds um, Agnew for a touchdown, up 14-0. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles come roaring back, though. Miles Sanders, career day, 130-plus yards rushing and two scores. Eagles for four fumbles from Trevor Lawrence and an interception and they win 29-21. The Jets, all they know how to do is go on the road and have fourth quarter comebacks. They do it again in Pittsburgh here. Zach Wilson leads two drives of 80 plus yards, both for scores as the Jets come back from a 20 to 10 fourth quarter deficit to beat to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 24 to 20. Uh, Frank Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky really, but we call him Frank because he's not that good. And he, he got benched at halftime in this one. Kenny Pickett, the rookie from Pitt, comes in, 
10 to 13 passing, three interceptions, a couple were tipped. It wasn't really his fault. He had two rushing touchdowns, though. He is the quarterback of the future, and he will get the start this week. Arizona Cardinals beat the Carolina Panthers 26 to 16. Uh, Baker Mayfield, just, it's not working. Thought it would be better. It's not. The Cardinals started out slow in this one, but they ultimately get it going in the second half. Kyler Murray rushing touchdown, two passing touchdowns, and the Cardinals get the 26-16 win. Packers beat the Patriots 27-24 in a much closer game than people expected. Uh, Brian Hoyer got the start for the injured Mac Jones. He gets injured, so third uh, third string quarterback, fourth round rookie this past year from Western Kentucky, Bailey Zappi, comes in and he actually got the Patriots out in front of the Packers. Aaron Rodgers was a, was dreadful in the first half. Here he picked it up in the second half. The, the Patriots had a 24 17 lead. The Packers tie it up, go to overtime. Both, uh, the Packers go three and out, so the Patriots have a chance to win, but they can't get anything going offensively. Packers drive down, kick a game winning field, will improve to three and one. With the 27-24 win. Raiders get their first win of the year over the Denver Broncos uh, uh, in this one, 32-23. Bad news for Denver, Javante Williams, their star running back. He is out for the year with uh, torn ligaments, ACL and LCL in his knee. Raiders get a defensive touchdown, first defensive touchdown, I believe, three years. Josh Jacobs had a big day running. The couple of scores in the Raiders prevail, 32-23. Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a had a re- really weird week. They had to travel to Miami because of Hurricane Ian to prepare. Didn't know if they were going up to Minneapolis to play or if they were playing at home in Tampa. They ultimately played in Tampa because Hurricane Ian didn't hit that the Tampa St. Pete area as hard as it did further south, like in Fort Myers Beach there. But the Buccaneers looked like they wanted to be anywhere else other than playing at home. Patrick Mahomes was sensational. Hit highlight reel play, a touchdown an escape and a touchdown pass to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Buccaneers fumbled the opening kickoff, and it was pretty much game over after that. The Chiefs roll 41-31. And then the Monday Night Football, the 49ers beat the L.A. Rams 24-9. Debo Samuel, a huge catch and run, 57 yards in this one. The, the 49ers have now won seven straight games against the Rams. Jimmy Garoppolo played okay. That defense, though, something's not right with Matthew Stafford. And it was one of the fears I, I had coming into the year, you know, after, you know, his elbow and stuff in training camp. But he doesn't look right, and the Rams don't look right either. They lose 24-9. So let's make our Week 5 picks. It begins Thursday night in Denver, where two disappointing teams are meeting. The Indianapolis Colts at 1-2-1 against the 2-2 Denver Broncos, 8-15 p.m. Eastern, 7-15 p.m. Central Time on Prime Video I don't trust the Colts. I don't really trust the Broncos either, but I trust them more at home than I do the Colts going on the road. uh, Shaquille Leonard not playing in this one for Indianapolis. Running back Jonathan Taylor might not play in this one. So I will take the Broncos over the Colts. Then we go to London, the second of the the international series, second straight week of London games. The New York Giants, three and one Giants against the three and one Packers, nine thirty p.m. nine thirty a.m. Eastern, eight thirty a.m. Central Time on the NFL Network. And uh, it's the first London matchup ever with two teams above five hundred at the time of them going to London for the game. Check it out; it's it's true. And, I mean, I'm just not a believer in the Giants. The Packers are going to roll in this one. Give me the Packers to get the win. Then we go to Sunday. Uh, 2-2 Chicago Bears at the 3-1 Minnesota Vikings. 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. 
Not a believer in the Bears. Vikings haven't looked great the last two weeks, but have found ways to win. Don't let Justin Fields have a career day in this one. He's looked awful so far this year. Vikings should roll in this one. I'm taking the Vikings. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. Steelers 1-3, Bills 3-1. Steelers going with Kenny Pickett as their starting quarterback. He's not going to be able to, to keep up with Josh Allen. And I don't believe the Steelers have won a game yet without T.J. Watt in the lineup. He's not in the lineup here, so take the Bills easily. L.A. Chargers at the Cleveland Browns, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Browns, disappointing loss last week. Chargers, a good win. Can the Chargers keep up that momentum? I think they can. I will take the Chargers, but I don't say that with a great degree of confidence here. I'll take the Chargers, though, to beat the Browns here in this one. Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Previous years, this would be a toss-up game. Texans played Jacksonville fairly well. Jaguars, too good in this one. Trevor Lawrence bounces back from that five-turnover game. I'm taking the Jaguars. Detroit Lions at the New England Patriots, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Both teams are 1-3. Lions, a very good offense. Patriots, a really good defense. Lions, not a very good defense. Patriots, not a great offense. So who's going to prevail here? I'm going to take the home team. I'll take the Patriots to win a close one against Detroit. Would not be surprised if the Lions win. Seattle Seahawks at the uh, New Orleans Saints, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. I will take the Saints in this one to bounce back. Andy Dalton or James Winston, it doesn't matter. Seattle looked good last week against Detroit, but the Saints are a little better. They're miffed after the double doink uh, didn't go through. That will let 61-yard field goal last week in London against the Vikings. By the way, did I even mention the Vikings game last week? Yeah, 28-25. I think I missed that in the week four recap. I know I did. Vikings win on the double doink. Had a chance for more. It shouldn't have been that close. But the Vikings won. So, yes, I apologize for missing that in the week four recap. But I'm taking the Saints regardless in this one to beat the Seahawks. Miami Dolphins at the New York Jets. 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. This is a sneaky good game. Just given how the Jets looked last week in Pittsburgh. The Dolphins not going to have two of this week. Teddy Bridgewater gets to start. The offense isn't maybe going to be quite as kick-ass, but I trust Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hillmore. I will take the Dolphins in this one to beat the Jets. Uh, 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 Atlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. These are the two first-place teams in the NFC South right now. Hard hard enough for that that it may be... Hard enough for you to believe that as it may be. I'm not taking the Falcons here. Uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers bounce back. The defense plays well. Cordero Patterson not playing for Atlanta. Give me the the Bucks in this one. Tennessee Titans at the Washington Commanders, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. I'm I don't like Washington. I don't think they're very good, in, in large part because of who their quarterback is. I'm not a believer in the Titans. But I think the Titans are maybe just a little bit better right now. I will take the Titans over the Commanders in this one to get the win. San Francisco 49ers at the Carolina Panthers, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Okay, when's it going to happen, Carolina? When's your offense really going to show what it's about? It's not going to happen in this one. 49ers defense too good. It's a late afternoon kickoff, so their bodies will be adjusted to the time. I'm taking the 49ers to win. Philadelphia Eagles at the Arizona Cardinals, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Uh, 
Un- Eagles' only undefeated team left in the NFL. Cardinals routinely get off to a slow start. At home, I think the Cardinals can do it, but I, I need to see more consistency from Arizona. I will take Philadelphia in the Battle of the Birds to get this win. Dallas Cowboys at the LA Rams, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Doesn't sound like Dak Prescott's going to play in this one. I will take the LA Rams to get the win here, bounce back after that bad loss. Start to, the, the Cowboys defense is good, and they're going to get after Matthew Stafford, but I think the Rams defense will, will make things difficult for Cooper Rush and company. I'll take the Rams here and hand Cooper Rush his first loss. Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. A tr- a tr- this is truly a toss-up game for me. I think I'll take the Ravens at home, though Joe Burrow and the Bengals starting to play a lot better right now. Ravens defense isn't very good, so will they even be able to get after Joe Burrow? I'll, I'll just take Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I don't say that with a great de- degree of confidence at all whatsoever. And Monday Night Football, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. I like the Chiefs in this one. I like them to get the win after that big win against Tampa Bay. Keep showing that. Keep showing that sort of offense like you did against Tampa Bay. Be angry. Uh, Raiders will get some yards, put up some points, but I think the Chiefs ultimately win. And those are your Week 5 picks for the NFL. Official picks and predictions can be found in the stack, stackattack.sportsblog.com in our Football Friday post. And finally, we leave you with this. Um, It's our first show since my mom passed away. Um, She was an avid listener of of the podcast. Um... She passed away after a, a courageous and brief battle with bile duct cancer. Uh, passed away Monday, September 19th, while the Vikings were losing to the Eagles. So the Vikings letting her down one last time. And funerals following Saturday. And just, you know, it, it's still, I don't think, has really hit home that she's gone. Um, and it's going to it's gonna hit harder than not. I... I haven't gone through the emotional roller coaster that I was expecting to at this stage. Uh, I think it'll hit more, you know, birthday, holidays, stuff like that. But my mom was a wonderful lady and um, gone far too soon. And just appreciate everyone who has reached out, who came to either the visitation or the funeral, and all the donations that were made to the St. Jude. Uh, Children's Research Hospital um, for or for cancer research. Uh, that's that was her request. So every anything you know in lieu of flowers, just any of the money you know for the funeral and stuff given to the family is going to St. Jude. So thank you to each and everyone who has reached out, who who knew my mom, who knew the type of person she was. Um, you'll be missed, mom, and I know you're listening up there. Um, to this podcast right now so um we'll do some more tributes and stuff uh for throughout you know these upcoming weeks and months and and just mention of her but she's definitely missed and again thanks to everyone for reaching out and thinking of us um of her family so that'll do it for this week's edition of the sports block podcast you can find us on podcast.com search sports block itunes as well search sports block follow me on twitter at andy stack and travis crins on twitter at travis crins at Char- uh, charlie hildebrand on twitter at ce hildebrand a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week
and that will do it here so uh, for all of us for travis and charlie i'm nathan thanks so much for listening we hope you tune in again next week uh nhl season preview baseball postseason preview nfl college football we'll talk about it all so for all of us here at the sports block podcast nathan stack and saying thank you for listening have a great week and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the sports block podcast